Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm not really into mixing meats like when when it's like the seven seas soup. I don't need seven types of seafood. I need one. I need one type of seafood. All right. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome, everyone, to the completely unnecessary podcast for Tuesday, October 8th, 2000. 19 alongside plucky ian ferguson i'm here i'm uh i can't think of a p word i'm, I'm pervasive pat parsimonious content. pet persimony what parsimonious <laughs> oh we're talking about the podcast we're talking about ps5 getting officially announced uh blizzard banning a hearthstone player for for speaking out politically a a, a sweet atari vcs update fortnite lawsuit other stuff. This is a pa- this is a, a, a packed CU podcast. Last night we we're like we have no topics. Now we got a bunch. Now we got too many. And your Q and A, Ian. How are things going in, in in Fergusonville? Things are going pretty good in in in, 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 uh, in my land. Um, got the uh, got the Polish festival coming up this Friday. I'm excited about you're, that. You're, you're on. You always your 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 fingers on the on the pulse uh, of the uh, food festivals, uh, the ethnic food. It really festivals. is, especially on the Polish uh, pulse. Did you go to the one uh, that the one they have in Balboa Park every year in the in the in the um, international? You know, the international houses. They did that last year. They said they did a food sampler. Thing. I did that once a few oh, years great. ago, and it was great. I did yeah. it last year. I, I think where I they kind of do like the food samples outside the little international houses. You go inside the houses yeah, too. It, I ate I ate in Germany last year. I think I ate in Southeast Asia. Uh, I ate in, in Poland last year. I ate, I ate everywhere. You know, went around the world. It was fantastic. Well, Poland has <laughs> some of the finest food. Uh, it's not beautiful food, but it is uh, delicious food. I can eat like half of like a, of a bratwurst or sausage. Like I can't eat a whole. Bratwurst one. is not Polish, my friend. Oh, whatever kielbasa. It's just whatever kielbasa pierogi. Pierogies are yeah. Well, pierogies pierogies are great. I used to, I never tell you how much hunter's I used to eat. stew. I, I never used to tell you how much I used to use, use the deep fryer at the frat house in college. Uh-huh. Uh, pierogies, just pierogies out the wazoo. I uh, see. These pierogies are like more traditional. These are like the sautéed pan fried pierogies, so they're less crispy. Less okay. Well, welcome to our food podcast, Extra Extra Napkins um, podcast. I have a I have a podcast, another food podcast, a food podcast. I have another podcast called <laughs> Extra Napkins. Uh, it's a food podcast. Feel free to follow that at E Napkins on Twitter. But um, yes, I'm very much looking forward to the Polish festival, and uh, that's about that. Parents are visiting this week. Yeah. My mom's a fan of yours, Ian. She watches the podcast. She she keeps track of social. She media loves somehow. my politics. <laughs> Why did you go there? I don't know how you went there, Ian. <laughs> I don't. What, know. what are you trying to say about my mom's politics? I have no idea. I was just saying she loves my politics. I don't. You don't talk about politics that much. I mean, is China going to ban us? You know, and corporations force us out. Um, uh, I was going to say. So yeah, we'll probably we'll we'll hit up you know Old Town. We'll go to the zoo one day. I'll probably hang out. You know. Uh, go go to go to the state parks. Maybe maybe Joshua, not Joshua Tree. Uh, Tory Pines. I was gonna say go to Tory Pines. Tory Pines is gorgeous. I haven't even been to Tory Pines since I've been there. I should go. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's nice. It's 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 totally reasonable. You can do it in a day. All right. So 
speaking of uh, extracurricular activities, I don't know. Uh, AEW, all, all Elite Wrestling premiered on Wednesday. Wednesday night, Dynamite. How was it? Um, <laughs> it was good. It was solid. Okay. I, I tweeted time. I give it like, you know, you know, it, it's a first show. So there's, there's going to be some, you know, little, little, you know, things you got to smooth out as you go. But the production was top notch. I mean, I think, I think I, I read that they like basically took everyone that used to do TNA's production. It was a production team that was outsiders working with, with TNA impact. We're not just Impact Wrestling, not TNA anymore. And they took them, and like the production was like, it was top notch. It, it rivaled WWE. I mean, but it was different. They treated it. Here's the thing: AEW treats it. It's not like you're watching a show about wrestling. You're watching a wrestling show. Okay. You're watching something produced as a sports show. Okay. Which means that, like, for example, the the first package. Let me see AEW results. The sports package at at the start w- would be something similar to what you see like for like a UFC package in terms of like it was profiling uh the wrestlers. So I profiled uh Cody and uh, Sammy Guevara. That was the first match. Uh Sammy's super by the way, Sammy Guevara, I hadn't really heard him before. He's super talented and he's probably like 22 years old at most. It looks like he's like 15. He's going to be a star. That was the first match and so the the packages were like uh, profiling them as wrestlers, what this match means to them. And I'm like, "Okay, this is different. This is not something WWE does. This right. is based solely on the competition. This isn't based on some wacky ass storyline. This is based upon in ring action, and that's how the show was produced. There was no random interviews or random cameras backstage. They're like, oh, let's catch these wrestlers in the hallway, which you know it's fake and hokey at that point. Everything was done interviews, um, kind of how Nitro used to be before they went all in the backstage. Interviews in the ring. And interviews like in front uh, by the entranceway. That's how they got the stories over and the upcoming stuff. So right now they're still like they still don't have any tag team ch- uh, champs, for example. So they're talking about the tournament. The tournament's in play right now uh, for that. They're hyping up the the, the, the um, they just finished in the, in the last pay per view. Um, you know to, to get the finals for the for the women's championship. So they're like talking that up. So it was really focused on uh, mainly on this is competitive. This is this is these are this is wrestling. Uh, and that's how it came across. So that's way different than what we see with Raw or SmackDown. So that was that was uh, impressive to me. Uh, this is what I loved. During the intros, they put the win-loss record on the right uh, side. I always like that. I always like that. I don't uh, know the last time I've seen that in pro wrestling. Uh, there was a... I, been a while. I, I couldn't tell you who, but there was a Japanese yeah. organization that did it. And I remember even them being like... I like that. Just a, like a little touch like that. Just, it was just little on the screen. And it, put put stupid stats up there. Yeah, they even talked. It, it gives them a veneer. And then, and then the main event was it was a triple team tag match. They even had for the wrestlers coming out. It's a trios record, so they even had it for that. I mean, like, oh, they're going to keep track of when they're like in a tag team or what have you. So I'm like, that's interesting because it's just a little touch. And then obviously, once the, these guys, uh, you know, fight more, it'll mean more. And then I read an interview from Cody that they're they're even going to then start doing analytics and work into the commentary about like, well, this is how many matches get ended by this signature move or this. Or that. I'm like, that's really interesting. We're really tracking that stuff because that's what you would do if it, for a real combat sports, right? You know, See, actually, that's, that's very cool. So. So that's how, just going real quickly through the results here, Cody defeated Sammy Guevara, really good match. The crowd was hot for it. 
Um, MJF defeated uh, Brandon Cutler. Is there? Uh, before I forget, is there an easy way for me to see these online after the fact? Is there like a or is there a streaming service? I'm talking. I'm looking. I can I can figure out the less than legal methods. Is there uh, a legal method? Well, you can stream TNT online, but I think you have to have a, a cable yeah okay. thing for that. That's fine. Um, not sure. You maybe Huluish. I don't know. I don't have that in front of me. Uh, MJF, who's gonna up and rising star. He's like 23, 24 as well, but he has charisma and he's great on the mic. He's like a I want to say like a different edgier version of the Miz in terms of how he's presented, but that's not doing him justice. So he defeated uh, Brandon Cutler, who looked like he almost got injured in the match. So they, so they ended it early. That's what it kind of looked like. Uh, Jay and Saw Bob were there. <laughs> well, Jason Mewes and Kevin were there to promote the new movie, which I keep forgetting is coming out. Um, the, the Jay and Saw Bob uh, reboot. Um, so that was kind of awkward, but whatever. Uh, then. Uh, yeah, see, I don't like the, I, I, the the whole. I saw that the I, the whole notion, the whole them pulling people from Hollywood in on their first episode seemed to be. Yeah, it was a little weird, uh, but you got to do it. You, you don't, get, though. Yeah, it, you that, don't. That was a misstep, but that was like only the one of only major missteps. Uh, then the, there was an interview with the, the, the SoCal Uncensored uh, SCU, whatever uh, tag group against the Lucha Brothers coming up in the tournament. Uh, Pac defeated uh, uh, Hangman Page. That was a great match. Great match. Uh, uh, Pac, see, I would was, like to see that. Pac, who was Neville in WWE, has a great character. He's a great wrestler. Great shape. Great demeanor. That was a, that was a great match. And, and Adam Page, is he's improved. Like I remember watching him in New Japan where like, oh, he's, he's, you know, he's pretty good. He's improved a lot. He's only going to get better. Uh, uh, then the highlight to me of the night was the AEW Women's Championship. Uh, Riho against Nyla Rose. The crowd was hot for it. Um, technically, it wasn't the greatest matches because there were some little snafus here and there, but I, I was into it. Um, and you, and you know what the bad thing about it was that is that Riho's so small compared to, to Nyla Rose. Nyla Rose is like 200 pounds. And Riho's like 85, 90 pounds stripping wet. So you really had to suspend your disbelief at some points, but the crowd, it was a hot match. Crowd liked it. People were surprised. I heard Nyla's pretty green too. Yeah, she almost dropped. Uh, right after the match, there was a uh, a Japanese commentator got in the ring, and Nyla Rose went to powerbomb, almost dropped him on his head. Like she, they had to like really save it. It was it was it was it was rough. But the match overall was good. Um, and then the main event was a triple tag team: uh, Chris Jericho, Santana, and Ortiz, uh, which I believe they also uh, they're, they're LA LAX, I believe. Um, they defeated Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, and it was a nice. Main event. And this is what I liked about it. The the John Moxley running happened right in the middle of the match. They didn't wait till the end. So in the middle of the match, Moxley ran in. I like it when they Omega do that out. because yeah. it gives the match time to refocus, refocus, and you, and, yeah. and, and and you can. And I don't know how that ended, but if the person who the the person who did the run in, if their person loses, you can still. Uh, you can't blame it on the run-in so yeah. much. It, it, it furthers the story a little bit, but, but takes away the impact of the actual run-in itself. The only bad thing was is that a lot of people were complaining that the referee didn't call a DQ because with Mox, starts hitting Omega. Um, they probably should have done a ref distraction thing. I do agree, but whatever. So then they, they fought to the back. There was there was this uh, VIP room that was made up, and then Moxley DDT'd Omega through a glass table. Obviously, it was like a, a sugar, yeah. sugar glass table. It was a cool spot, and it builds to... Their feud. They've been feuding since the since the the first uh, pay per view in Vegas, uh, there. And then um, they they struggled, but they they defeated the Young Bucks because it was three on two. It made sense. But then afterwards, although they they established a new uh, you know a, a heel stable because it was a good you know there wasn't a ton of wrestlers on this card, but you know you had a chance to do run ins to save the Young Bucks. So 
you know, uh, Dustin runs in, uh, and then, you know, um, uh, uh, Sammy, uh, Guevara comes back in cause you thought that, oh, okay, he, he was respectful with Cody shook his hand after the match. He kicked him in the nuts. Uh, so then, uh, Jake Hager runs in and the crowd goes nuts. You know who Jake Hager is? I don't. Jack Swagger. Oh, okay. But he's been in MMA. He's been winning matches. He's legitimately, legitimately a badass. The WWE didn't use him well. Uh, I see your face. The crowd loved it. And, and he's so much bigger than all these other guys. He's like 6'6", like 270. He's gigantic. So now you have a, you have a new heel stable, <sighs> and they ran roughshod. It was like the end of like a Nitro with the NWO just killing the faces. That's how it ended the first show. Which is, a, I think, a great ending because now you establish... No, it is. You establish stakes and you establish, well, here's the heels, the main heels. But really, Jack fucking Swagger? We're going to pretend like we're excited for Jack fucking the, the Swagger crowd, when everyone shit... Off. Yeah, the th- crowd they, was... Because they noticed his face. No one liked him. See, that's the sort of shit I hate. People liked is him. When people, when some, no, they didn't. When, pe- when, when okay. someone like Swagger gets shit on constantly, but then magically it's great to... S- that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, he wasn't booked ever properly. Then he became the we the people sort of thing. Which yeah. got weird. Anyway, well, all in all, it was a good show. Uh, I, 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 I'm going to be watching next week. Obviously, uh, it's it's great having Jericho involved was a godsend that it got him involved in the bottom floor. He's just one of the smartest guys in wrestling. He really knows how to, you know, he he, he can be a mentor to these young kids, and that's what I like about it. they're already mixing up, you know, uh, putting Sammy in this stable. He's so young compared to the rest of these guys, but he's going to get the rub off them and grow. And then they're already they're already having a good mix of like the, you know, the internet sweethearts with these new guys. It's just, I hope they can do more of these packages to rep to, to present these newer wrestlers that no one knows about. Like they did with Sammy in the beginning. Um, so anyway, yeah, it's exciting times. And then they also had, um, you know, NXT had their, their second week at the same time. So it's competition. NXT has their weekly show, which is a different type of show. It's a smaller show, obviously, but that's like the hardcore WWE wrestling show. So there's already like a, a Wednesday night war, and WWE, WWE passly put out like a congratulations to AEW about winning the ratings. They said it's a, it's not a it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's like uh, AEW won the ratings. Yes, they won by fifty about fifty percent. Even though ratings don't matter as much anymore, I mean, because no one watches TV. No, as much, but and one requires a one require. I mean, the NXT show requires you to have the network. No, no, it's on USA. Hey, you're not keeping track with this, are you? NXT is on USA now. Yes, it's no. it's on it's an it's on cable now. Oh. Wow, Ian's out of it. <laughs> I, I wrestling has ceased to be interesting to me. Wrestling. Twitter well, now has, Ian, you got you got wrestling, wrestling. Twitter has fucking killed me. Now you got wrestling on Monday. Well, impacts on Tuesday. Two shows on Wednesday and Friday night Fox SmackDown. Which, by the way, you're gonna like this. <clears throat> Brock Lesnar faced I, Kofi yeah. Kingston and won the title in four seconds. How do you like them apples? Uh, not not going to say Kofi had, had the greatest title reign. He didn't. Uh, he lost a lot of the heat after the win. That happens a lot of times with these underdogs finally getting the title. What do you do with them? But to have them lose in like four seconds, all to build up, Kane Velasquez coming in to fight Brock. It, uh, the, the hard-on they have for these MMA guys, I understand that you want to build off of you know real life and guys that are legitimately tough guys. But you can't do it at the expense of the Stop wrestlers. Shit. You can't do it at the expense of wrestlers that have been there for ten years plus. You just can't do it. It's just disrespectful. You could have had Kane fight Brock without Brock winning the title. Like you could have built that feud on its own without yeah, exactly. without having that happen. Need, you don't need the belt in there. It's it's 
it, it's disappointing. If that's all they could say. It's, all I can say it's disappointing. And then the Hell in the Cell match ended controversially um, with with the Fiend versus Seth Rollins in a DQ in a Hell in the Cell match because Seth Rollins got too violent and like threw chairs on top of the Fiend and was like hitting him with things and then the ref stopped the match and the fans were like, "What the fuck is this?" It's a like, Hell in a Cell match. So we 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 love X Pac. I love X Pac. So they had a live. Do you know uh, X Pac's uh, name was in? I think it was Fire Pro G. That's one no. of my favorites. One, two, three of Blitz X Package. Love it. Yep. It's so, good. So they do, I guess, like this Facebook streaming thing, or I don't know where streaming, where they have like people from WWE watch the event live. It's like a, it's like a let's watch. So they had Natalia there after the match. X Pac was there. Good old Sean Waltman and, and like three or four other people. I don't know who they were. They were like the young people, men and women. And it's on it's on YouTube. It's on Twitter. X Pac's reaction to the, the match. And this is a WWE production. He goes, I don't think you guys are going to ask me back to do one of these again, but how do you have a disqualification in the hell of the cell? <laughs> like, he wasn't even mincing words. It was hysterical. Oh. And even Natalia did, did, like, a face like that. Like, even she knew, if she'd wrestled earlier in that, even she knew it was kind of messed up. Yeah. And they didn't even mention it the first hour and a half of Raw uh, last night. They sort of just did a recap of the storyline with the, any of the crowd reactions, the crowd hated it because the crowd loves the fiend. The fiend is like the hottest thing they have going, and to have it end like that without a victory, just don't do the match, Jenny. If you're not, if you're not gonna have a clean ending to it, and that's, that's what people I think are sick of. They're sick of these events not ending with results. Or pay per views are supposed to. It, it, they, I, I think partially the network era has kind of screwed it up too, because pay per views no longer seem as important as they once were. They still call pay per views, even though you don't pay for them anymore. Right? But yeah, but they're free. They're just bigger shows. And whereas things used to have, even if if something didn't have a fine a, 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 an end, there was a beat at every pay per view that kind of pushed it forward. Sure, you have to have something happen at a pay per view. That's the definition of absolutely nothing happening. And someone told me I didn't realize uh, two out of the last three Hell in the Cells events have ended in DQs. I didn't even realize that. So just stop doing Hell in the Cells then if you're not going to end it properly. Because the other Hell in the Cell that started the show was was the best match of the night. The Becky versus Sasha Banks was an excellent match. I heard that was a good match. Why don't I? I, I that's what you, I want to see. Why don't you that's end the event it. with that then? So at least the fans aren't fucking pissed off when they leave. Like don't, don't book it like that then. This is common sense stuff that I don't get. Don't end an event in a DQ when you have another match you could have. This this is why people need an alter, you need an alternative at least to force WWE to get their act together when it comes to this stuff because they're not learning they have it. They're booking between this and like the Kofi stuff. They're 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 booking towards other audiences that aren't the wrestling fans. They're booking towards well let's let's make sure like they had um uh, what's his name the the boxer on last night. That's how they ended Raw last night. They had the uh, Tyson Fury in a 10-minute segment with with, with, with uh, Braun Strowman. That's great for exposure, but not for the wrestling fans. Right. And that's to build up to their Saudi blood money event coming at the end of the month. They're probably going to do like a Tyson Fury facing off with Braun Strowman thing. That's so, what everyone says they're building. So when, the, when you start booking around everything but us wrestling fans, When you start booking bad. to Saudi Arabia... Well, that, that's the problem is that they'll be doing that for ne- the next eight, nine yeah, years yeah. still. Yeah. Now, you're booking to the whims of someone who views these wrestlers as toys that they can play with in a sure. big arena. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah, let's have let's have Goldberg fight Undertaker in the hundred degree heat and almost kill him because you know they should be working matches because they're both over fifty and you know what I mean like that's what they're doing, you know that's that's 
that's how these events are now. They're okay. not focused on wrestling. Fans. It's gross. I hate wrestling. So do all of our listeners. Well, watch Let's AEW. No, no. Watch <laughs> AEW, Ian. Okay. Watch AEW. Um, and then let's real quick on Martin Scorsese. When you had um, when you have controversy on Twitter, it's usually over something like you know something. Not not not. Sometimes it's just silly, or sometimes it can be serious. This is the most non-story thing that became a story that I was fascinated by. So Martin Scorsese was doing is doing promo for The Irishman, which is a, a Netflix movie, uh, which was going to build into the point I'm going to make later that Martin Scorsese is doing a movie that is, has to come out on Netflix because no other studio will give him the funding to do it. Um, so he was asked about about uh, MCU uh, movies, um, and he said in an interview in, in Empire Magazine. Uh, he said, I don't see them. I tried, you know, but that's not cinema. Honestly, the closest I can think of them as well-made as they are with actors doing the best they can under the circumstances is theme parks. It isn't the cim- cinema of human beings trying to convey emotional, psychological experiences to another human being. And boy, did he get ripped apart on Twitter for that statement, which on a service to me was like, he's not saying they're bad movies or you can't enjoy them, but they're not for him, and to him it's not what he considers cinema. So then it became a discussion, well, what is cinema, Martin Scorsese? Well, Martin Scorsese is, is a filmmaker in his 70s that's arguably the, the, the greatest living filmmaker we have around. And so when he thinks of cinema, it's of movies that he's he's made that aren't superhero movies. It's It's, to him, real-life experiences. And when you think about you know, um, Goodfellas, and when you think uh, when you think of Taxi Driver, when you think of uh, uh, movies like that, uh, The Departed, that's his idea of cinema. So uh, mob movies. Well, no, that's and that's the people get attacked for. Most of his movies aren't mob movies, Ian. And Taxi Driver. I'm not, just saying, Taxi Driver's not know, a mob movie. I know it's not. But that, you've but, never seen Taxi Driver. We discussed this the other day. Did I see Taxi Driver. No, I still have to see it. So but I have, but oh, are you trying to you trying to get me on no, that? I've just, seen a lot of Martin Scorsese films. <laughs> I've seen I've seen a chunk of the Last Temptation of Christ. You know, like so. The point is this: is you don't like an older uh, an older authority in the field that doesn't necessarily hold your your entertainment to the highest degree. I get that, but you have to look at who this person is. He did The Color of Money. I've wanted to see that forever. I wanted to see that King of Comedy, Raging Bull. Um, uh, Mean Street, still have to see that. Um, Gangs of New York wasn't the biggest Gangs of New York fan. Obviously, it's a well-made uh, movie. No, didn't love it. Um, let's see, Casino, it's good. I don't like it. Bringing Out the Dead supposed to be really good. Never saw it. Aviator wasn't really into that. Departed saw it. It's good. I love uh, The Departed. I didn't like Raging Bull. The, that's my kind of experience. Shutter Island, people, that I've seen bits of. That's supposed to be an interesting movie. I never saw it. Hugo's like the children's film. Wolf of Wall Street. I'm not. Once I get past the third movie with DiCaprio and Scorsese, I'm out at that point. I don't think I have interest in seeing Wolf of Wall Street. I, I, I think he's wrong. Cape Fear is excellent. I forget that that's a Scorsese movie. Cape Fear is amazing. Um, King of Comedy, I still have to see that. Okay, sorry. What you say? I I think he's wrong, but at the same point in time, I think people take these these statements and um, who try to wring the most like vitriol from them they can. I don't think he's purposely out there trying to insult anyone. This is his opinion. No, he says he doesn't it, like him. He says it's a theme park ride. He probably likes theme park rides, but he's saying that's right. all it is. It's a fun ride to him. Um, and, and honestly, the thing is, when I go, I, I I love superhero movies. It's the only reason why I go to the movie theater as many times as I do. But none of them reside in my top favorite movies because most of them are not movies I would want to go back and see again. I get excited for them in the buildup, 
I have a great time watching them. I think about them for about 24 hours afterwards, and I forget. So that's partially on me, but I understand that I understand how someone could look at them as something different than what they their entire life has known as cinema. Yeah, and more it's like it's like when it's like it's like when uh, fucking this reminds me of when uh, Roger Ebert did the whole video games aren't art thing. Yes, exactly. And people got all upset about that. And it's like he's not these people. Aren't, he's not saying there isn't isn't movies. He's just saying it's not his version of what cinema. Cinema is such a loaded word. It's fine. It's fine, people. It's okay. He did a he did a, a, a Dalai Lama a, a biopic, which I don't think anyone saw, uh, for example. So, yeah, don't insult Mr. Scorsese saying he's just done all gangster clips. I'm saying you, Ian, but everyone was saying that. He's done, like, three movies no, but about I'm, gangsters. but if I can make a joke back at him, I'm going to make a, be- a joke back at him. I mean, <laughs> Departed, Casino. Goodfellas. Goodfellas. Uh, pretty sure New York, New York. Uh, what's Mean Streets is tangentially related to gangs, but not directly. I think. Anyways, uh, what's the Age of Innocence about? That's the romantic one with Daniel Day Lewis, Michelle Pfeiffer. I see. I didn't. Anyone own a writer? I I gotta see that. You know, he he's like the queen of uh, you know, the queen of of directors. He like he does a bunch of different things. Um, what was I gonna say? I'll say this: when I watch Endgame for the second time, not Highlander Endgame. Uh, Avengers Endgame for the second time on the on the plane, I regretted that immediately because that for me the second viewing was not as good as the first. Infinity War held held up for me somewhat. Endgame was was a chore to watch for me the second. time. I'm not gonna go watch it. I mean, and that's um, the thing that's uh, not me insulting um, superhero movies because no. I like them, but there are almost no superhero movies that I would ever go back and watch again. I would watch right now. You could get me to watch Winter Thor. Soldier. You get me to watch Winter Soldier and Thor Ragnarok again. Thor Ragnarok, uh, Civil War, I'll watch uh, repeatedly, probably. Uh, Thor Ragnarok, you can uh, Guard, the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, the ones that are actually to me the be- the best films of the bunch. You can rewatch. Yes, them. but I'm not watching Ant Man and the Wasp uh, uh, again. I'm not. I liked the original Ant Man. I'm not uh, going to go back to it. I I haven't seen Ant Man and the Wasp yet. I will, but I, I I understand it's it's easy to view things as a different form of entertainment. And while it does sound kind of snide and insulting in a way, I don't necessarily think he meant to be. I don't think he meant to be insulting. a jerk. It's no, just he's, that's he's what... 75. He he grew up with these movies where like they were all like you know from your from your balls. These movies they weren't like corporate. These are corporations making superhero movies. They're yes. not really directed anymore. Yeah, they have it all specked out before the director even comes into play. The director is just like, you know, putting things in motion. That's what he means, and I think he's probably hurt by the fact that, you know, it's harder to get. It would be way harder nowadays to get a movie like Goodfellas made with with because now everything's more or less more of a genre uh, flick or a superhero movie, and he probably doesn't like that. The fact that he has to go to Netflix to get funding for. Uh, a movie with 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 uh, Pacino about and De Niro, supposedly about mobs. It is, but it's so. supposedly also amazing. I, that's fine. I'm just saying. <laughs> so he, okay, he's done four movies about the mob out of uh, out of thirty. Okay, you got him. You got him, Ian. And they're still not the best movies. That, you, you see, it wasn't last time you saw Goodfellas. Mm, I saw The Departed probably two three years ago. That's not Goodfellas. Okay, I don't. The part is not nearly as good as Goodfellas. Anyway. Karen, what did you do? Anyway, all right, moving on, Ian. Uh, Ian. Oh, we're starting. We're starting because <laughs> okay. you just let it just drop. Drop. I don't know where else we could have taken that conversation. It had pretty much been done. Okay. Not uh, Kundun, which was was a the movie he did about um, the Dalai Lama. 
<laughs> PS5 news. Yes. We knew it was coming. We did. Wired had an exclusive story revealing some details about the PS5. The PlayStation 5 is going to be released in late 2020. We kind of knew this was going to happen, right? We, kinda, we did. It wasn't a shock. They had said that. But now there's a little bit more details about what this is going to be featuring. Uh, Wired got an exclusive somehow. Good old Wired. Uh, still still kicking around uh, there. And uh, they talked to uh, CEO, uh, uh, Sony Entertainment CEO, uh, Interactive Entertainment CEO, Jim Ryan, about what's going on with this. Um, and the main takeaways, there's a few takeaways here in this in this uh, exclusive re- reveal. The first one is uh, the GPU hardware being able to do ray tracing. Uh, you know, uh, bending light naturally in real time easier, better effects, get closer to photorealism, things like that. You know, it's it's a more powerful console in terms of that and rendering things like that. That's that's uh, what they were talking about. Um, and then extolling uh, the solid state drive. So with the solid state drive, of course, it's just so much quicker than uh, you know a physical hard drive with moving parts, mechanical. Um, and I don't know, they even use uh, the fastest uh, uh, internal hard drives. They use a fifty four hundred or seventy eight hundred in in the PS four. They use slower ones maybe to be safer. I don't know. No, I think they use fat. You have to have a certain speed. That's a able certain to, speed. Yeah. Okay. Either way, a solid state drive is like ten times quicker and sure. accessing in the boot up uh, things of that nature. Um, so the, obviously that'll make sure that the games load quicker. And then you know, even booting up, you'll be able to boot up in seconds instead of like you know. Th- how, how long does the PS4 take to boot up when you turn it on? A while. A while. Yeah. Yeah, it's, wow. it's, it's not it's not always the fastest thing. Granted, I have a lot of shit on my PS4. All right, Cerny um, said, if you look at a game like Marvel Spider-Man, there are some pieces of data duplicated 400 times on the hard drive. The solid-state drive sweeps away the need for all that duping. So not only is its raw read speed dramatically faster than a hard drive, but it saves crucial space. See, I didn't know that about saving the space like that. I guess, yeah, I guess if it's quicker to access, you don't have to put it in multiple places. Yeah, like on a slower hard drive, yeah. it'll... it'll make multiple instances on something so it can access it faster. Quicker. You don't need to do that with an SSD. All right. Okay. Um, so, okay. You can build a larger world, not using as much space, sh- shrink the size of the games. Physical games for the PS5 will use 100 gigabyte optical discs. Wow. We're at 100. I thought 50 was 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 uh, too much. Right now, I think 50 was what I thought what the, the, the dual layer ones are. Uh wow, and twenty five is is the regular uh, Blu ray, but fifty is a double a hundred. Ian, there you go. Hopefully that'll save from having too much downloading to do. When no, you... <laughs> uh, it's, it, installation is mandatory. Okay, that installation is mandatory. Well, because... I meant downloading like a day one update. Oh. It'll be smaller, hopefully. Yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, the, uh, installation is mandatory due to the different. So basically, the, it, it's not just putting. It's not like taking a PS4 and putting a solid state drive in it and calling it a day. They're basically going to be engineering everything around the faster access of a solid state drive. Sure, which makes so, sense. And programming to that as well. So mandatory installations are because the solid state drive actually allows you to access faster than you would if you were just pulling off of an optical disc. Sure, that makes sense. It'll, it'll be it'll be loading. You hear it spin. You'd be like, "Oh, let's go! I want I want to kill the kingpin now, or whatever I'm doing in Spider Man, which is still sitting in the bed that Yoshi gave me. I got to play." Um, so that to me is the biggest takeaway from this, and we'll talk about the, the haptic feedback on on the PS5 controller uh, was ex, was uh, was talked about, where like 
it feels different. Like, what was the example they gave? Like, you're driving in the game, and a one tire, it's it's like dirt. The other tire, it's road. You can actually feel the difference on the controller. Like, you can you can feel it. You can feel like the type of uh, material you're you're going through, like mud or dirt. Like, that's interesting. It's interesting, I mean, but Nintendo did it. With sure. the HD Rumble, and it's, I mean, immediately it's... dropped it. I mean, this is one of those things that I guarantee you, that's one of those things that Sony is talking about now, and it's within two months after it coming no out. No one's going to use it? No or... one's going to use it. It's it. like the touchpad on the PS4 controller. No one uses it? It, it? It's it's essentially just two extra buttons. You press the right side for one button, the left side for another. No one uses the touchpad for fucking anything on it. But the, the HD else... Rumble on the Switch. The HD Rumble on the Switch was neat. I thought it was cool. I liked it. It's not even in the Switch light, and most games don't use it. Well, I don't know why companies keep feeling like they need to come at me with this stupid fucking gimmick. Like I'm gonna care. It's not going to be used for anything. Nothing. Right. Adaptive triggers, varying levels of resistance to make shooting a bow and arrow feel like the real thing. Uh... That's interesting. It's neat, but that's all the stuff that gets discarded. At the end of the day, how powerful is what's in the box? What's in the box? Uh, uh, well, this is what I would say from a marketing standpoint. We got to think of something new, guys, because the controllers looked almost exactly the same for the past 25 years. We got to add something. We got we to add something from the PS4 that's different. You know, we can't. We got four triggers. We got a start and select button, four, four face buttons. And we got a digital cross pad. We got, you know, two thumb, two thumb, thumb joysticks. We got to add something. I mean, that's the thing. You say something about Nintendo. Every system Nintendo's had, the controllers looked entirely different, like from system to system. I don't think that's always a good thing. It's not always a good thing, but at least that's a that's built in marketing about wow, this is a reason you should buy a new system. With the PS5, they're trying to make the controller an additional reason to buy the system when it's not. It's not going to be. People like the people like PlayStation controllers. People like Xbox controllers. At this point, I I don't think there isn't a reason for a PS5. I get it. At this point, consoles are computers. They don't need to add much. It simply needs to be a marginal upgrade that people buy and put in front of their TV. Um, at this point, with the uh, exclusives becoming less of an issue, and hopefully it'll be even less of an issue this generation, it really does come down to who's got a cooler controller because the box is going to do the same fucking thing. Does the PS5 controller do more whiz-bang nonsense than the fucking Xbox Scarlet controller? Then maybe that's what's going to sell some people because, on it. Because, but it's dumb. Because we're all going to have the ray tracing. The new Xbox will. It's going to have the solid-state drive to match this. Yeah. It's, it's not going to be radically different. And I don't I don't begrudge the console industry this, but I think it's, it's time where we have to just change how we think about consoles. We're not looking for big jumps anymore. This is it's done. This, it, it's, it's done. This is just this is uh, the upgrade that you make. Yes, this is the iteration you're going to get every two years. That'll be your new computer. Except with computers, you don't have to toss out the entire thing. You can upgrade pieces. At some point, you do, but at not but not as quick as these. No, yeah. you, no. I had one computer going for eight years at one point. With this, no. Can I just put in a new a new G, a GPU and this? Put in a new solid state drive, and you can't. Um, and that's what I'm going to say about this is that this is what's the most underwhelming part to me is that in the past you had either uh, consoles being on the cutting edge of technology or or just behind computers, now they're getting consumers excited about solid-state drives that have been on PCs for almost 10 years now. Sure. Solid-state drives are getting cheaper and quicker on, com- on computers where they used to be pro- prohibitively expensive. Now you really can't buy a computer without a solid-state drive in it. 
They're they're built in, and yeah, you still have get regular hard drives for like the mass storage. But like running your you, you run your operating system a lot of times off of your solid state drive. You run a lot of your programs because it's quicker. It boots up. Yeah, my yeah, so, it, my solid state drive on this shit the bed, so the operating system moved to the non solid state, and I mean you notice immediately. Well, this boosts, this boosts up in like fifteen seconds. Yeah, this this did at one. It, point. it did. You yeah. got a new solid state drive in there. I should. And, and, and it's a kind of rare for them to go that quickly. Solid state drives. Yeah. Must have been abusing with all, all your DJing, Ian. It didn't, you couldn't take it. Oh, too, too, too much rendering out. Your new video review we're waiting on. The... Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, you downplayed that. Last week, you were all gung-ho. Anyway, Ian. Okay, so do you think there will be enough? I guess this all comes down to the exclusives. Again, it's all about the killer apps. they got to announce a bunch of killer apps for this PS5 next year, because I'm sure there's a lot of people with their PS4 that are still satisfied with it. You know, they don't see the need to do this major jump up, especially if the price is going to be prohibitive. Well, the major jump up isn't to say, ooh, look at my fancy new console. It's just to be able to keep playing the games that they want to play. Sure. If there's enough exclusives. Yeah. Well, enough games, period. Like I said, it, that that's the problem. There's... Well, I'm talking about, like, exclusive of the PS5, because uh, yeah. it's still on PS4 and PS5. Sure. What the hell? Uh, and because the PS4 now, what, is now like $200 it's down to when it's on sale? I think, Brand uh, new? I think used the original models are 200 but they come down on, on on sales. Like for Christmas and Black Friday, they're going to come down. I know our prices just lowered. I don't remember what they are, but I know our prices just dropped leading up to the holidays. There you go. Yeah, they're they're, they're getting cheaper and cheaper. You can get a terabyte console for three hundred dollars at Target for a terabyte, and then you can get them slim. Uh, whatever the new one they sell is. Let's see. It's probably a slim. And then uh, actually, it's a little slim. And then you can get them refurbished on eBay for one fifty. For a 500 gig one. So there you go. So we're officially in cheap current gen territory. That dangerous spot where games Xbox can... Ones are like 130. They're 130? Yeah, they're, they're cheap. For a standard Xbox One? Standard 500 gigabyte Xbox One through us, I think, is 130. Wow, look at that. Look at that advertising. Two I mean, locations. It's, it's used, but. Okay. Interesting. Okay, so um, if you, if you put the odds right now, Ian, what's the, what's the odds you get a PS5 at launch next year? At a hundred percent chance, a uh, hundred. What? 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 Per- zero, zero to a hundred percent. Twenty. 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 I, I didn't. I didn't even get my PS4 until a year. You waited it. Yeah, I, I waited a year until yeah. there was enough games. Until there's enough stuff. Yeah. All right. Ian's your market. You got You got to win Ian over, Sony. You got to win him over. So uh, here's some fun news and political bullshit. Um, Blizzard banned a Hong Kong Grandmaster gamer for shouting a protest slogan. Uh, During an interview, yeah. Uh, U.S. gaming company Blizzard Entertainment said today, this uh, article is from QZ.com. Uh, U.S. gaming company Blizzard Entertainment said today, October 8th, that it has given a one-year suspension to professional player from Hong Kong for having violated competition rules by shouting, Liberate Hong Kong, Revolution of Our Times, in a post-game interview on October 6th while wearing a respirator mask and a pair of goggles. Fuck you, Blizzard. The player, Chung Ning Wai, also known as Blitz Chung, said he had yelled the slogan as another form of participation of the protest that he wanted to bring more attention to. He acknowledged that making such a statement can bring him a lot of trouble, but was determined to do so because he felt it was his duty to say something about the issue he told the eSports news site in Venn Global. Look at all this kowtowing to China. Yeah. Um, we're in a global market, global economy. China is is the officially the biggest entertainment market on the planet now. They, are, they have been for movies now forever. 
there's a reason why you're going to see another Warcraft movie come out. And it's not because it did well here. It did great in China. Sure. You know? So the more and more we have to, these major companies like Disney, um, the more movies they make that are blockbusters, you're not marketing them to just the North American economy anymore or even Europe. Now you're marketing to China directly, which is why the past years you've had movies made with more and more Chinese actors um, you can say, oh, that's good for diversity. They're not doing it for diversity. They're doing it for the Chinese market directly. Uh, they, they have subplots now sometimes in blockbusters that we don't see that involve Chinese actors in big movies that are only for that market, things like that. This is the way of life it is now for entertainment, at least for movies. We've seen it happen. Um, there's a reason why when Doctor Strange came out, they recast and really glossed over the whole D- Tibetan thing and really went in a different direction there there's a reason why that happened it wasn't a coincidence uh you know while, while the um uh what is it what's the, the what's the name of the ancient one or whatever the grand sorcerer why they changed it from being uh you know asian there's there, there's a calculated reason why disney d- does these things um we've seen it recently with the nba uh the houston rockets um daryl morey the, the houston rockets gm tweeted support uh for hong kong protests and oh boy, did that create a shitstorm. The likes that I haven't seen the NBA be in trouble for recently. Because uh, uh, basketball is a huge market in China. Really big market. Yep. Gigantic. And they're trying to expand there. So within 24 hours, the Chinese um, basically canceled G League games for the, for the, for the affiliates uh, of the Houston Rockets in China. Um, Daryl Morey had to issue an apology uh, for it. David Stern came out with this really weak, lukewarm sort of, well, we support his right to say what he said and backtracked it. And then even James Harden issued an apology to China. Like James Harden issued an apology saying, oh, they're cool in China, so I'm going to apologize because my GM said something. And, I mean, it's it's really strange to see private U.S. citizens, and in this case, you know, not a U.S. citizen, having to face repercussions for free speech because another country doesn't like what they have to say yeah this is dangerous dangerous grounds we are walking on like really this i i south park just did an episode about this last week uh, uh, about entertainment having to go by chinese standards and having chinese generals look over the shoulder of the entertainment and making sure the edit's correct like is this really happening but for Blizzard to do this, I don't. I understand it's a big market, China, but wow, I just I don't I don't think we get to, get there this quickly. And now it's happened twice in the in the course of like a week. They also uh, it's really weird. They're also uh, withholding all prize money. So now you're affecting and someone's life. And they fired the two people involved in the interview. The two interviewers that had no were, idea that the, that that's where it was going. So the interviewers got fired too. It's well, fucking they, disgusting. Well, they, they kind of ducked under their their desk. Yes. So I don't know if they knew it was coming, but, but you, wow, this is a this is a scorched earth sort of thing with China. You can't you can't bat, bad mouth them at all, and, and and it reminds you that while you know the Chinese market is huge, um, they I think India might have more people at this point, but it's still the biggest entertainment market in the world. That you don't do what they you don't do what they what they want you to do or say what they want you to say. It's a it's a machine. That'll grind you up. 
and in the corporate world, money talks. I was very severely disappointed in the NBA's reaction. But they have so much money at stake. I understand it that it's a business. But my God, like I just didn't think we'd get to this point this quickly. I just didn't think we would. You know, I, I, I guess Blizzard has so much money at stake. Blizzard, Blizzard Activision that you know they can't. They they got to punish this guy prohibitively for this for freedom of speech. And this is. In a statement, Blizzard said that while they stand by one's right to express individual thoughts and opinions, players must abide by official competition rules. It went further in its Chinese statement posted on Chinese social media platform Weibo, emphasizing that the company would, as always, resolutely safeguard the country's dignity. Yeah, the, the, the NBA statement in China was the same thing. It was harsher than the, the, than the, than the U.S. statement to make sure that they were appeased. The, you know, the Chinese overlords were appeased. There, that there was nothing you know bad going on, really, really just. I again, I understand, and this is me being the capitalist, even saying, I understand we're we're you know it's a global economy now, and Chinese is a huge market. I get that, but at some point you have to draw a line and stand and say, you know, we are giving up too much of our of our principles for 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 monetary value or monetary stake, and you know, give an inch, take you know, take a take a mile sort of thing. It's like at some point you got to say, you know what, you got to get over this. Because this, because in, in the way we do business, we we allow some freedom of speech here. We you have to because otherwise, we'll be tipping tiptoeing over everything. Where you're going to have you're going to have Marvel movies have to be pre-approved in the future necessarily by the, for the Chinese market, and that's already happening. So like I, I said, it may not be overt, but their our entertainment is getting pre-approved on some levels. Uh, you know, it just is international entertainment. So I don't know who this person is, but I'm taking this from their Twitter. Uh, this person named Campbell Simpson posted, literally one of Blizzard's core corporate values, and posted what appears to be an image off their website that says, Every voice matters. Great ideas can come from anywhere. Blizzard Entertainment is what it is today because of the voices of our players and of each member of our company. Every employee is encouraged to speak up, listen, be respectful of other opinions, and embrace criticism. It's just another avenue for great ideas. Fuck you. Fuck you. Oh, fuck you, Blizzard. Oh, I thought we liked Blizzard. Oh, now you know. We're just shills. Um, yeah. I'm trying to look back at the Tilda Swinton uh, casting in Doctor Strange to see if that was because of... Was that because of China? I thought I, thought I read it was at one point that they wanted to tiptoe around the whole Tibet thing in the ancient one. Um... Can't find it right now. I thought I read it at the time. Either way, you know, it's uh, we're 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 in, we're in dark territory now when it comes to this stuff, and the, the, I'm bothered by it. Obviously, Ian is too. Really disappointed in the NBA. Uh, we don't talk about sports that much, but the NBA is all about. They've been the forefront of, you know, progressivism and free speech and players being able to say what they want and not caring. But I guess now, now they care because now it affects their bottom line, and before it wasn't. Um, that's that's what's upsetting, and it's the one thing that's that's sort of united everyone politically has <laughs> been this, this sort of issue because because this is something that you know that we hold sacred sacred is that you should be able to have political thoughts. Yep, you should be able to, you know, say what you will about us here, but you know, no one's livelihood is being you know just ripped away from saying something like that, like that. Just you know, it's it's bizarre. 
Bizarre. It's the only thing I can say. I'm very disappointed in, in these corporations. But there's money at stake. There's, there's you know, there, there's stakeholders. You know, what are you, you going to do? Yeah. FlexPro Meals is a meal delivery company that sends healthy pre-made meals to your doorstep. Their goal isn't to give you salad, but epic recipes, epic. entrees you may have grown up on, that they make healthier versions of. Eating healthy is a lifestyle change, not a two-week gimmick. So FlexPro Meals goes the extra mile and gives the most value with realistic and tasty meal options at a good price. And they're yummy meals. FlexPro Meals offers a weight loss fat trimmer plan. If you want to get a little, little smaller around the girthy area. And a lean muscle larger portion plan if you want the guns to come out. Some of their most popular meal entrees are smoked brisket mac, the yummy breakfast burrito, grilled fish and chips. That's one of my personal favorites. And the list goes on. Ian, how about that chew turkey burger uh, combo one? It's you see, delicious. I, I get the smaller one. So oh, it's, okay. It's one. You're, you're not stepping up to the plate, my friend. You want the double turkey burger with the, with the cheese sauce on there. So it's a lot of protein going in, into your system. I prefer the Mongolian beef. The keto Mongolian beef is very good. There's a Mongolian beef? The, the keto chicken Caesar is very wait, good. Wait, hold on. I, I had no idea about a Mongolian beef. So there's that, yeah. I'm going to switch it right now to delicious. Mongolian beef. I really did not know. It's like broccoli and carrots and uh, delicious, tasty braised beef. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. Did one. I mention they update their meals fairly frequently? They do. Uh, on the site, so you gotta you got to keep track? And they even taste good at 1 in the morning, which was when I had my last Mongolian beef. <laughs> I was very no, hungry. I want a Mongolian beef. Well, Damn it. Now you can after the podcast. And, of course, they have like the staples like steak with potatoes, chicken with sweet potatoes, you know, like things like that that, you know, it's, you can't go wrong with, with something like that. Uh, and they also like steak with steak and veggies. So, anyway, Ian, for 20% off your first order, you can use code CU podcast with when you when you visit flexpromeals.com. That's 20% off <laughs> CU podcast when you visit flexpromeals.com. You're not getting 20% off the podcast, you're getting 20% off your meals. I don't know how you bungled that URL. You you're a bungle. CU podcast, save 20%. Flexpromeals. Speaking of speaking of Moving gross, on. speaking of uh, gross capitalism, Ian. Let's talk a little bit about the Atari VCS. You know, we were just on here last week. People were like, oh, there's no updates for the VCS. Oh, my God, they're going to... Well, don't worry. We got an update. We've got, they've got updates for you today. Oh, and boy, the is there updates. Is, the news is great. Let me well, just... Uh, hold on. Let me just check notes. You want oh, to- hold on. Never mind. Uh, Rob Wyatt, the uh, architect of the Atari VCS, and basically the only guy who apparently had any ideas to what was going on, quit as of October 4th. Now there's your update, huh? We showed you. Well, I I was going to say, the official Atari update on Medium.com. Oh, we can get there. (laughs) Atari VCS plastics, thermals, and internals. A peek inside the engineering lab factory and the Atari VCS itself. Along with some hints of what's next. So Atari on October 7th, yesterday when recording this, came out with their production update that they're supposed to come out with weeks ago during the summer. Or at least tell people it was coming. See, if you're smart with PR, you'd say, okay, we don't have it right now, but it's coming at least, the update. So talking about going from prototype to production, they show off the PCB board. Which board. is mostly blank. Thankfully, it's not a capture device, at least. We, at least it's not a capture no, card. No, it's, it's a real board that's doing not much of anything right now. Um, they, they said it's an AMD Ryzen uh, APU, two USB 3.0 ports, an HDMI port. I don't know if this is off the shelf or not. I'm not an expert on what these boards look like. No, I believe you it know. said it was at least partially designed by the architect who's no longer there. Okay, that's great. So they show off the board. They show off some uh, hardware development uh, you know, slides. 
what have you the PCB and how it looks like and they show they show what looks like the you know uh, cobbled together in early production pieces to put together Ian you don't you don't get the individual you know ribs that you could you know right. put your penis on but it's 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 one piece I don't think people care as much as about that about the architecture and then they talk about the tooling and molding and things that we don't have to know about as consumers we really don't have to know about it no. I don't have to tell you about how a certain Super Tunnel guidebook's being produced. As long as it gets produced and it's quality, you shouldn't care. I'm just you gonna, know. I, I want to I make a quick statement real quick. Um, there seems to be a thing that happens uh, with these uh, new consoles. And it's, we don't have anything to show. Let's talk about the case and maybe some colors. Wow, uh, I don't see that happen with another one either. Chameleon did it. Uh, and television's doing it. The Atari VCS is doing it. Every little Johnny come fucking lately on Indiegogo with no prototype or on uh, Facebook is like, look, look, instead of showing you anything real and cool, here's this silver Genesis case we're going to put it in. Instead of showing you software or, or user interface. This, this yeah. is not news. This no. is not. This is what you all decided on way back when. You've changed things a few times, but the case was the only thing you really came to us with at the beginning, and now you have a blank board that you can put in there. And you know what it does when you turn it on? Fuck all! It looks like a fucking computer screen. A boot, because that's all it is. And they try to spin this. Hold on. Oh my fuck they tried to spin this oh my god they tried to spin it by focusing on the sandbox mode which means that it's nothing the sandbox mode means it's nothing it's a you tiny know? linen no here's what you have they've successfully taken a board with like nothing on it and, and turned it into a tiny linux computer in the case that you know and love and all they're gonna show you in painstaking detail how that case is put together because that's what you care about do you know why they call it sandbox so when you're a kid a sandbox box has nothing in it but sand and nothing's moving you have to create your own fun you, you do everything create, you got to create your own environment that's fine a- that's fine when it's literally a sandbox but when it's a video game console you expect some shit done for you so you can have fun with it and play with it because when people initially backed this it wasn't for a sandbox anyone could just it was for an atari console and now they've 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 really taken this we've got fucking nothing thing and they've tried so hard to spin it. Well, look at with with the Atari VCS, you can do whatever the fuck you want. I can do whatever the fuck I want with the computer I'm looking at right now, and I don't have to spend do you, 250 goddamn dollars on it. Do, do you imagine if a real video game company like Nintendo oh did an update? Just imagine. Just yeah. imagine. Nintendo did a Nintendo Direct, not showing off software or controller features. They brought you inside the, the the manufacturing facility and showed you the mold of the Switch. People would People be like, what the? Livid. They'd be like, what the fuck are you doing, Nintendo? This this is something we shouldn't have to be worried about. We want to see what we're gonna do with the console, not. The people that are fastened together with screws and glue. But the true believers are rubbing this all over their fucking crotch. Like it's going to be some sort of progress. Or at least that's what Atari VCS is hoping that you don't want to. You don't want the curtain pulled back. Mm. You don't want to see what's happening until it's in your hands. 
This gives me, like, uh, I'd be worrying more uh, seeing this. All right. The first thing we'll talk about is the photo of the PCB board we shared last time and have included again here. That view is on top of the Atari VCS circuit board. Ooh, you should be able to quickly and easily spot the AMD Ryzen APU. Oh, that's all I needed to see, folks. We've got a system. This thing's going to be great. Along with two USB 3.0 ports. Fucking fancy. One HDMI port and one power connector that'll be accessible from the back of the machine. Fucking important to know. God, I'm so <laughs> glad I know that. But you've already made that a talking point oh. before. You mentioned that the last time Damn. when you talked about changing the casing. They were like, oh, you can access stuff from the back now. I don't fucking care. But you can access my dick from the back. <laughs> what, what? I guess if you... Anyway, uh, there's... But Ian, there's twin 4 gig RAM uh, sticks on there oh. on the board's belly, which can be upgraded. They're already talking about upgrading... Your video game console. They're already talking about you being able to upgrade it. No one gives a fuck about the board anymore. So we want to see something. This, they're officially... When that's already saying you can upgrade for more RAM, this is a computer now. This is no longer yes. a video game console. Yeah. It's just a regular... This is a regular old computer now. The thermal... Okay, blah, 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 blah. Got a whole fucking paragraph on the thermal solution telling me Woo! which... They even tell you which direction they're going to blow the air away. Okay. Great. Retail launch 2020. We'll see about that. So now we're going to go to our friends at the register and cheeky Kieran McCarthy. Hold on a second here. Oh, you're not done? No, I'm not done. (laughs) I want to. One second here. Um, What is it? Uh, They mentioned something about Power A hard at work making those controllers. I don't know why, like, they want people to Power A controller review. Is it, why is that not, not a good They're controller? awful. They're fucking awful controllers. One star. Power A enhanced Xbox One controller. Full review. One star. <laughs> the Nintendo controllers that they make, which, by the way, the Atari VCS controller looks almost exactly like it, they break in like two months. Hands they down. have? Yes. They're awful. They're absolutely right. fucking miserable. The, the, the Xbox One controller, in their defense, is three and a half stars, but 24% of the reviews are one star for the Xbox One controller on Amazon. Tom's, Tom's got... Okay, yeah, they're awful controllers. So, I mean, so I don't know why you want to pick that We can't bank on the quality of that no, is why you're why saying. Why are you announcing Power A? Okay. People know it's garbage. So, okay, let's talk about Kieran McCarthy's article a little more in depth. Uh, it's called Game Over, Atari BCS Architect Quits Project Claims He Has Been Paid for Six it's Months. months. Retro console a mess may never launch. Sources allege. Kieran's got the sources. I'm not saying it's the architect who hasn't been paid, but you know, it's not good when you don't have a main architect on your project anymore. So, but there's more things in here. Okay. We, we, we alluded to this last week because someone was questioning on the Reddit asking, you know, is, is this guy still on the project? And they're like, well, he's working on lots of stuff. He ain't on the project okay. anymore. Nope. He's gone. Nope. And what's disheartening is that you can't pay him when you raised over three million freaking dollars. You can't pay the man. Yeah, and he was work. So basically, he was working on the boards and stuff through uh, his company, Tin Giant, um, and added, as a small company, we have been lucky to survive this long. So it's not like it's not like they were just fucking over an employee. They're fucking over which which would be bad enough. They're fucking over an entire company. Sure. I mean, there's, it, there's multiple people's livelihoods at stake. Does this sound familiar with another past console where you got rid of a main architect that you should have kept on? Yeah. Wow. Okay. It is unclear. This is Kieran writing. It's unclear whether Atari will be able to complete its beleaguered, I love that word, beleaguered project without Wyatt. It only received a prototype motherboard last month, and Wyatt and his team were in the middle of debugging it 
They were in the middle of debugging it before deciding to draw stumps and quit. So you have a half-debugged board and a case and nothing else. The task of finalizing the hardware will likely fall to Surface Inc., another company that Atari has contracted to complete the console. Surface Inc. has not responded to multiple requests for comment. I was hoping to see the project through to the end and that wouldn't and, and that it wouldn't come to this, but I have little choice other than to pursue other opportunities. Because he ain't getting paid! Yeah, six months without money. Go. 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 Sue him! He denied the decision to walk on anything to do with him forming another company, the last game board, to develop a tabletop video games system. Okay. Uh, the claim of lack of payment echoes another dispute involving Atari in July 2018. The trouble biz was sued by the man who first proposed the Atari BCS as a modern console of the class of 2600. Okay, then. And I keep getting I keep getting junk phone calls. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's uh, you know the Chinese already heard us uh, discuss uh, uh, you know the political stuff before. Um, okay, they're talking about money. Atari is this is the good this is good reporting from Kieran. Atari is not in good financial yep. shape. The France-based outfit only has three employees. Wow, I thought maybe they had five or six or seven. They only have three. It's literally just people that own the rights to the name. Yep. That's this is not Atari. This is not Atari from. This isn't Nolan Bushnell and, and friends making pong machines. I, I don't know what these people you know. think, but there's no production line. There's no corporate headquarters. They're renting an office somewhere, even maybe. That's maybe. all they're doing. Okay, the France-based outfit only has three employees. Made a loss. Of two point seven five million each in each of the past two years on revenue, how, how the fuck do you do that when you're licensing the games out? Most of it from licensing the Atari names and games. How are you losing money? The company claims to have uh, almost six million available in cash and cash equivalents, although most of that <laughs> was the result of a stock issue in 2018. Who the hell is buying Atari stock? Who is who is dumb enough to do that? It's CEO. Fred Cheney, the one that was on the news, you know, doing yeah, that awkward yeah. interview, was paid one point one million a year in compensation. So this guy, you are who, all funding a fraudster, allegedly. If this doesn't come out, Ian, to protect us. No, I'm just saying. Like, I, I mean, sure. I will say. Us, I will say this. It's fiscally uh, irresponsible to, to have pay a company. Yourself. To have a company losing that much money, to be ha- having an Indiegogo where you took in over $3 million on a console that hasn't come out yet, and, pay and yourself paying yourself $1 million. $1 million while the company is taking losses? How is the company taking losses like this? When you can just make money just giving the license out to people to make your games and make your Atari speaker hats and Atari watches. How the hell are you losing money? You, you shouldn't be running a company. You shouldn't be CEO. Fucking hubris. There's only three people, though, so he is the company, in, 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 in essence. Well, I didn't know that. If this information was out before, would those people have given $3 million to this project? They shouldn't, in, in good faith. Knowing that he was going to keep one-third of it? Well, one-third a year in compensation. You fucking scum. Wow. <clears throat> and not paying the, the lead architect. I, I don't want to be looked at as meaning as frauds for reporting on this stuff, you know, that we're, we're reporting on these consoles that don't exist and, and potentially bad things happening, but it's bad, Ian. This is bad. I'd be cool if Fred offered to come down in uh, his Lamborghini and give me a ride around, but... Give you a ride around? Would that make you look a little more positive on, on the outlook on this? <laughs> yeah, it might make me look like a fucking fanboy. Anyways, um, yeah, I, I think this is going to... 
uh, as we're sitting here talking, I feel like it's going to spiral out of control very quickly. I have a feeling if this place is gone, who knows what Surface Inc. and uh, uh, what, what what was his uh, place called? Tin what? Tin Tin Giant. Tin Giant. Um, who knows if they were in conversation with each other? But if you know anything with Surface Inc hasn't you know if they haven't been getting paid and they look at this tin giant thing and see tin giant gone i wouldn't be surprised to see surface ink gone in a week i mean i have a feeling that that's a pretty big we'll give it a month that's a, i'm hey, just saying that's you pay us too he pay us Pre, uh, prepay us you yeah, prepay us it, it, it just seems like that's a pretty big for what stability this thing had now it's it's very rocky in public and i think it's going to um it's going to snowball and again this is, goes back to the indiegogo where you don't need a real prototype if this is actually the first time we're actually seeing a prototype what the fuck was in the indiegogo video what was in that video and, yeah, and that's if they why they just got it this month what the fuck were the past three years about and i don't want to i don't want to beat it to death about the people that appear in that video the people say oh i remember when you participate in that sort of thing you, you got to know that what you're playing is in a real console at that point or what is it or ask the questions you're going to be promoting this people are giving the money for what's in this box what's in the box nothing was like nothing that's the people are buying was in the box we didn't know but this goes back to the the medium article Ian, uh, about the debugging and about the um the sandbox (laughs) atari writes the team writes which is three people This is probably a good time to remind our Indiegogo backers yes, of, the, there it is. of the participatory nature of their support. Uh-huh. As we have stated before, the Atari VCS hardware that early backers receive will be 100% finished, but the software on these first units will be early access, exclusively available to our community. Atari will be counting on our many thousands of backers to help improve and enhance the VCS experience with all the great feedback and ideas we know they will provide in advance of our retail launch in spring 2020 so ian not only are you paying money for a console you may not get but if you get it guess what now you're going to be an untied unpaid beta tester yes for them to get the software up and actually fucking running so that they can put it in the fucking walgreens and put it in the bed bath and beyonds in order to sell them to you they don't know what you want they don't know what to do they because- don't know what they can produce yeah they have no idea so i hope y'all ex- like enjoy are like really excited about a lot of sandbox mode because that's what you're you're going to get. Oh no! And plus, you get the you get that the, the subscription you, so yeah, you can buy. You know, someone know. pointed out that you know, and, and I, I thought so. That's not even out yet. Andstream's not even out yet in its normal form. Sure. So it's one Kickstarter promising stuff to another it, it, Kickstarter. It's a house a house of, of of crowdfunding basically. Yes, a house of crowdfunding on itself. We hope you enjoyed this latest behind the scenes tour. We have more partnerships in the works. And more new updates and announcements planned, and very much look forward to sharing more with you soon. Um, this is silly at this point. So, despi- so despite what uh, they're saying in the streaming, this article also says a little bit more. Um, we now understand that the final console will not have its own Atari flavored operating system, nor will it have an Atari store where you can buy and download games on your console as is standard on what? games consoles. What? So this, what? I don't know where he got this info from, but what, oh, seems, got the inside skin, but what, what seems to be being said here is this whole ant stream thing seems to be there. Put a bandaid over the fact that we never bothered to figure out how we were going to do our own online store. Oh my God. Because there's three people working at the company, and they're outsourcing everything they to the hardware. Oh, here's a good one, Ian, with the, with the Atari button. Uh, the new Atari controllers, which you have to pay extra for, 
may not work consistently across games. Each title, when running, can decide for itself how the machine operates. That means you because may need... it's a fucking Linux box. That means you may need to reboot the system to exit a particular game rather than say press the Atari button on the controller. There is little in the way of standardization of the controls. The Biz has also failed. To... It gets worse. The Biz has also failed to reach an agreement with games engine makers Unity and Unreal, so the Atari VCS may not have the same level of acceleration and capabilities of other machines, such as the PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo Switch. Oh my God. Or even media players like Fire OS. Atari will uh, not be able to build an ecosystem. This is from the article as well, and it really comes down it, to it. It, yeah. gets, it gets worse. It may not have, according to this report from Kieran, God, he got the skinny. It, it will not feature any native apps, and users will instead have to access services like Hulu or Hulu, Netflix or Hulu or Amazon through a modified Chromium-powered browser. Holy fucking shit. Holy so no, shit. so you won't be able to it, just turn it on and be like Hulu. You'll have to actually log into Hulu through a web browser. This is like the fucking. This it. is like the fucking Wii internet. This is like internet <laughs> from two thousand five six on these consoles. Holy shit! It's worse. Uh, let's see. The four gig edition cut down will be available only through Walmart, as we understand. As a direct result of Walmart insisting of having a product that came under 250 price point. So Walmart wants to carry, if they want to carry this, retailers can say, we want to carry this, like Costco, it has to be a certain price. They said, yeah, we can do it, but it will be the shittier version with only 4 gig of RAM. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Well, let's, let's hit them with, the, let's, let's read a summary. Read the summary, quick. Ian. Hit us with the points. All right. So here's the summary. Holy shit. The Atari VCS will be extremely limited as a console. Limited. It is effectively a $250 PC in a nice-looking retro box, which we've been saying since Forever. day fucking one. Atari's main architect has quit, claiming he has not been paid in months. Penny-pinching throughout the development process has resulted in a range of bad decisions that effectively prevents the Atari VCS from calling itself a dedicated games console. It, they, they, it's like they, I swear they stopped trying to do that like a year ago. No original game developers have signed up to the Atari VCS two years after launch. There will be no native apps. The Atari VCS is unlikely to hit its March 2020 deadline and may, in fact, never launch. I still think Hubris will get. You, you this still think it'll come out? I still think that we'll get something. Something. It would be a fucking disaster, though, at this point. Well, actually. It'll be Sandbox VCS. No, and I'm, no, it, it's. <laughs> I, I have to. Re- I'm sorry. I'm getting things confused now. And this is not to bring it back up, and I don't want to discuss it any further. I think the Intellivision will come out. And it will be a flop. I don't, at this point, necessarily think the Atari VCS is coming out. And if it does... Okay, so last week you thought it was going to come out. Now you've already... Well, I I think... I was more more, uh, bearish on this coming out. I mean, they've got the board. I I have a feeling that these people are going to panic until they shove something out the door. But it's going to be absolute nonsense. Okay. It's not going to be anything. If if this launches, I still think... Okay, you you still think it's going to launch. You said last week. I I, I was sort of mm, hedging my bets. I think they have to launch something. But, but this is going to be a fucking disaster. I think it's closer to not coming out I, now than this I've is, read this. They're going to try to. They're going to try to get to the point where they can get to the point where Walmart will unfortunately be in a wholesaling mode to buy this piece of shit, where it'll sit on shelves. That's where they're, which is going to be the same thing with probably with the Amico. Get it out so that Bed Bath and Beyond and Walgreens will stock it and no one will buy it. But as long as you get to that point, guess what? We made our money because we sold it to the wholesalers. Get to the wholesale market. Get there and at least we'll have our money from them, even though the consumers will never purchase it. 
That's what their Atari's banking on you. So this guy can pay himself a million dollars a year still, but uh, before it goes belly up, and someone else buys the Atari license. You want to buy the Atari license? I don't think we could do worse with it. <laughs> no. Holy crap! Stick with asteroids <laughs> at Denny's. Oh, I forgot to mention that it's fifty dollars for that a joystick. Do we mention that again? Fifty dollars for that fucking joystick. Great. For that, for that one button joystick. All right, Kieran. God, Kieran's getting a, a whole sandwich. He's getting fish and chips and, uh, and whatever else. And here's the bad thing. We'll finish on this point. Once a project goes bad like this, as as it had with the Chameleon Retro VGS, the people involved will speak out about it, and you'll find out more and more bad stuff that will help submarine the chances of being a success, as we're seeing right now. More and more of these sources say people that have been paid for six goddamn months will will be more than more than glad to say, you know what? Fuck this person and this project that they've had us work on. We're going to tell you the truth about it. Yeah. And this is just the beginning of this. This isn't the end of this. And this might happen for uh, future consoles as well. Oh boy, oh boy, that's going to be a great day if that happens. All right, Ian, is that it on the Atari VCS? Yeah, that's it. All right, so my percentage of this coming out, I think I'm 50-50 on this coming out. Um, but if it reaches the backers, I don't think they're going to be pleased with oh, this. Oh, no, they're not going to be happy. No one's going to be happy. It coming out and people being happy are not the same thing. I think they'll fucking shit something into a box. <laughs> and they'll put, do a medium update about that. Mm-hmm. A, a, a about the box. And about they'll the... talk about the dimensions <laughs> of the box. They'll talk about the thickness of the What's cardboard. The cardboard? <laughs> they'll talk about the gloss level on the box. All right. Moving on. All right, Ian, you know we're the official Battle Royale and Fortnite podcast. We're good friends with Ninja. Mm. He's doing well at me. I, I, uh, we, we FaceTimed the other day. I had Denny's with him the other day. You had Denny's with him? Yeah, Why great. did you invite me uh, out? Sorry. Private Denny's. You know I introduced uh, uh, Ninja to you? Private Denny's. We met back then. All right, so there's a lawsuit in the works against Epic Games for not warning parents that Fortnite is allegedly as addictive as cocaine. Montreal-based law firm launched a proposed class action in Canada, oh Canada, on behalf of two Quebec parents who claim that Fortnite publisher Epic Games needs to pay the price for a third-person shooter they allege is as addictive and potentially as harmful as cocaine. My first question is, how much cocaine have the parents done to be making this comparison? Maybe they're experts. Uh, they have, they're parents of a 10-year-old and a, a 15-year-old, respectively, here. All right. Two different plaintiffs, sounds like. Uh, written in French, the legal action alle- alleges that when a person is engaged in Fortnite for a long period, the player's brain releases the pleasure hormone dopamine, and that Fortnite was developed by psychologists, st- statisticians, and others over four years to develop the most addictive game possible. Also, Epic could reap lucrative profits. An Epic spokesperson said that the company does not comment on ongoing litigation. The defendants, this is the lawsuit, says the defendants use the same tactics as the creators of slot machines or variable reward programs to ensure the dependence of its users and the brain being manipulated to always want more, the suit alleges, in a rough translation. Children are particularly vulnerable to this manipulation since their self-control system in the brain is not developed enough. Okay, Ian. Then every fucking video game that's ever had a just one more go appeal to it uh, is as addictive as cocaine and uh, should be obliterated off the face of the fucking planet. Because this isn't even about like microtransactions or anything. 
because nothing that you can buy makes the game better. It's all cosmetic. So they're literally just ragging on uh, the game being popular and fun and uh, them not being able to parent and or their children having no self-control. It's like saying Pac-Man's as addictive as cocaine because I want to try one more time. Yeah, and people play tons of quarters in, in 1980. Yeah. 81, Miss Pac-Man, 82. That um, you, games are supposed to be... What What is something... If something is fun, you want to do it. If you want to do it, you might do it more. Does doing it more make it addictive then? Is that inherent? Is it inherently addictive then if something is fun? Like we're getting in really sort of a semantical territory here about deciding is something too fun that you can't well, stop yeah, playing yeah. it. What, what what is this puritanical bullshit? No, no, we can't have games that are too much fun. I lost. I famously I said in the podcast or infamously lost an entire summer to playing Civilization two in high school. Because it was too addictive, I guess, for me. Should I be suing Microprose for that and Sid Meier? No, congratulations. They made a fucking fun game. <laughs> I mean, if this lawsuit hold any water, held any water, or this sort of uh, grounds, every casino, casino would be sued to the ends of the earth by now. Because when you walk into a casino, Ian, it's like the wondrous adult... Uh, sights and sounds, uh, things happening around to keep you attentive. And, oh, look at that shiny thing. I want to play that. I want to play that slot machine. Why is a, why is there a, a Price is Right slot machine with a wheel? I don't know, but I'm putting money in it, which I have. Sure. That's how that's how corporations make money. They they draw you in. It's like it's like it's like a fishing line with a worm. And we're like, we're, we're going after it. And yes, Fortnite has done it ridiculously well. But you know how they've done it? Because it's free. Yeah, it's free. Cocaine isn't free. And you get one life. You get one shot. And you, you, I didn't so realize when, that. Yeah, you go back in. You got to keep going. Yeah, and, and, and when, you, when you die, you just hold down a button and it restarts you in another game. Give me another shot. Best out of 100. Uh, tie me off, Ian. Give me one more it's, round. It's a good tie idea. Yeah. It's not my favorite game, but it's a good idea and it worked and people like it. So if your son's failing out of high school, uh, I don't know, maybe be a better fucking parent and don't blame it on someone else. The game's not addictive like cocaine. I'll fucking shove rails up your nose until you're addicted, <laughs> and you tell me that they're the same thing. Ian will inject, inject a heroin needle right into your eyeball if he has to to get the point across about the the addictive nature of drugs versus video games. Yeah, I don't, I, I mean, let's let's try to put ourselves in. in let's play, I like playing devil's advocate. I like to put myself inside other people's uh, psyches. If you're the parents of a kid that won't stop playing Fortnite, Ian, what you know? Would you? stop it from getting to that point was you just say you only play for an hour a day you got your homework done you know would you be more a preventative parent for them not to i'd look him in his eyes as i broke his system or or computer i guess it was computer sure you would just do that yep. or just they have things there's a reason why i'm not a parent they have things um like for your wi-fi uh, uh, past sponsor Eero, great mesh Wi-Fi network. You can restrict access via your phone nowadays to oh, what yeah. devices get internet. Like this is, there are things in place. There are software locks that you could uh, put on computers that you can only play a certain amount of time. Like there are th things in place where even if you you don't want to be a preventative, do like preventative parenting and like raise your kid well to be like, okay, well, I like I, I appreciate the fact that you like this game, but you got to get your chores done. You got to do your homework. You got to go to your practice first. You got to be a well-rounded person. Even if you gloss over all the, the, the in your face, like common sense parroting techniques, 
they're still like, I'll just turn off your your internet, and if you whine and cry, I don't care. I'll put on uh, soundproof earmuffs. I don't have to be a good parent or not, Ian, but that's what I would do. Yeah. That's fine. That there's, works too. There's lots of things you can do before you get to a class action lawsuit that you will most likely lose very easily against Epic Games. You know, if I haven't sued for no Unreal Tournament being developed, you can't sue for this. I'll go back to that. <laughs> There's no class action lawsuit with me and the 100,000 100, people that like Unreal Tournament. I said 100,000, no, 10,000 maybe. I like Unreal Tournament. I don't know what, how big the, the environment is at this point. It's just silliness. It's just silliness. What do you, what do you think, Ian? Is this gonna it's gonna no? It's not hold gonna, water. It's this lawsuit not gonna hold a goddamn thing. Would you allow your kid to play Fortnite? If I had a kid, sure, he could play Fortnite, and we'd go from there. But only if he gets his chores done first. Chores. Would you give an allowance for chores or no? He's got. To, you're lucky. You have a roof over your head and food on the uh, table. I'd give an allowance. Give an allowance. Yeah. Five bucks a week could. You know. You know why I. You know what I don't like doing? Talking about hypothetical children situations because I don't anxious? have them. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not, I don't I'm not, I'm not alluding to anything. I'm just. I like to. You know. I think you'd be a decent parent. Ugh. You want to go to Balboa Park every now and then with a the little, the little munchkin, throw a frisbee, Christ. go to the zoo. Thing would be a murderer by the time it was a teenager. Okay then. All right. All right. Moving on. So the people who own the uh, Nintendo, the the Sony Nintendo PlayStation, Nintendo Sony PlayStation, <laughs> Nintendo PlayStation, the Nintendo Sony, Sony. <laughs> uh, the people who own the Nintendo Sony, Terry Diebold, um, they are looking to sell the uh, system for money. They're going to recuperate their 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 costs here. Um, so. Uh, the to, to catch you up briefly on it, the well, not recouping costs. I got not, it for free. Well, well, that's right, but <laughs> uh, it makes some money. So, <laughs> Nintendo PlayStation, uh, it was a long rumored prototype. Um, basically, the uh, PlayStation was going to essentially be a the the Sega CD for the Super Nintendo. It was going to be an add-on CD unit. Um, it looks like uh, you know um, it ended up it was going to be an all-in-one thing. It never ended up coming out famously, and then Sony went and made their own PlayStation. So this was found. It's the only known. Uh, it's the only known one to exist. Uh, it's been toured around all over the world. Uh, I know Terry and his son Dan. I've seen him at like tons, twenty conventions. Well, they've been at tons of conventions. Yeah, um, touring it for years now. And uh, they've always said that at some point they were going to sell it. So I, I mean, I'll just. They can do whatever they want with it. There's, there, This is not a surprise. They've said it. By touring around, they've been building up its profile, trying to get people interested, keeping it in the spotlight. And getting free trips around the world. Oh, yeah. Tons and tons of free trips. I would do the same thing. I would travel. Get it. If you can get it, get it. Um, would I love to see this in a museum and not in someone's private collection? Yes. But they want something close to $3 million for it or over $3 million. That's what they said. They Probably they've said that? Uh, yes. Uh, or, or I believe what was been said is that they've turned down offers up to $3 million. Something like so that. So they've said that publicly in order to gain, garner more interest? It's interesting. Uh, uh, that's an interesting strategy. I would not say that publicly myself. I um, so like, that's a one of a let's kind see. piece. From Frank. Touring this, uh, it is literally tears. He is convinced that he will eventually sell the system to a private collector for at least $3 million as long as he keeps working at inflating its value. So, uh, that's in Frank Cifaldi's uh, Twitter thread about it? Yes. Okay, I got to open the thread and see it here. Um, 
And I'd seen that number thrown around elsewhere before. I'm not exactly sure what the source is, but I trust Frank on that. So I personally think that's going to be a bit of a that's a, that's a stretch, but they can do what they want with it. Um, it'll 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 get it'll get um, six figures, I think. So not, maybe not seven, but I think six figures is reasonable for something for a one of a kind. I mean, I mean, I think the last time I, I spoke to Terry, I think it was after uh, Missouri. It was literally at the airport, ready, getting ready for security, and he has like you know he has a case he he carries around like 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 an equipment case, and I think he was gonna going off to like Dubai, I think he was like or Qatar, one or the other. It was he was going to the Middle East, bringing it there for I guess a convention or something. I know he's got. We talked about him going. I, think, I mean, going to like a an Asian uh, retro gaming convention a year or two ago. So people know about this. Like a lot of people know about this, and people with money that know about something that's one of a kind, like video games, they will offer a lot of money. Yes. They will. So, uh, from a preservation aspect, I would love to have this in a museum. However, this thing has been documented. Ben Heck, our pal, torn down. broke this bad boy down and repaired it. Yes. All of the information anyone could ever want about this thing has been documented. And um, to, to Terry's credit, they've allowed that. So yeah, I think we have the BIOS as well. We, yes, we got it. Yeah, so everything is documented. Uh, yes, it would be cool to have this on display somewhere. It's been on display everywhere, um, at least once, if not twice, at some conventions. There's been multiple conventions I've seen. And uh, while I'd love to yeah. say if I had one, I'd donate it. If if they really think they can get three mil for it, uh, more power to them. Get that money. Um, and there's been talk about you know people trying to do like a crowdfunding or crowdsourcing. Which is neat, but um, uh, Kelsey Lewin of the uh, uh, who 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 um, our pal Kelsey Pink Gorilla uh, who works with Frank and uh, is Frank. is the uh, um, at Game History yeah um, Game History Foundation stated I mean very very plainly and it's 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 true imagine what we could do with three million dollars instead of getting this and putting it you know behind glass sure the important stuff has been done we sure. know about it it's wow. been explored it's been documented it's been heck documented it's already been three years it's been over three years since he documented remember this thing was discovered like already oh, yeah, four years ago almost yeah, was, remember they had the failed kickstarter do like the coffee table book yeah before they started touring it around we were like we we're critical of that like doesn't make any sense, sense to do that but it made sense to tour it around yeah and they get free trips around the world many conventions that pat and ian have been to um yeah, I've seen it. I think three times. Just I've seen it multiple times. I always think it's funny, and I, and I and I love and I love Terry. I just think it's funny at these conventions. It's never behind plexiglass or protected. He lets people play it, which good for him. But he lets people even hold it for pictures. If I had something that was worth potentially seven figures, millions of dollars, your grubby fingerprints would not be near it. <laughs> you would not be near it. Um, but it's it survived all these trips. To me, it's a risk taking it to all these conventions, but you know, it, it's 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 part of the, it's part of the job, though. It's part of you know bringing it out to these conventions. People playing Street Fighter Two on it, you know. Like Ian said, it's been heavily documented. Ben Heck, I hope Ben Heck throw Terry, please throw some bucks at Ben Heck if you do this deal since he got this thing up and running and totally functional again. Um, yeah, it's been preserved. The, but yes, let's look at the stock reality. If someone buys this, they're gonna they're gonna likely put this. They have, they have the money to keep this as a as a as a as a trophy. You won't see this for a while, most likely. Yeah. If it goes to somewhere with oil money in the Middle East, you ain't going to see it. 
But we know it's not a myth, and now we know everything about it. We know it's about everything about it. There's tons of pictures. We know all the inside out. We know how it was built, the pieces that were made. Ben fixed it. We have the bio. So you, someone put out. Christ, the I feel like the thing could probably be. You could probably CAD the thing and 3D print it at this point. Yeah, that'll be the complete unnecessary PlayStation console. We'll yeah. do. Uh, we'll do that. Maybe Ben will do that. <laughs> yeah, and it's been fine. And and, and Nintendo or, or Sony haven't gone after him. They're, they've been fine with it. It's like whatever. Do what you want. You know they, they've been they've been cool with it. You know they know about it, obviously. So uh, yeah, that's all they can say about it. You won't see this again if this goes for three million dollars or even a million dollars. Probably won't see it again. Uh, being in a museum, enough people have already seen it, uh, and then hopefully that that the rich uh, Saudi prince that buys this, they'll get tired of it after five ten years and just they'll sell it to someone or give it away to a museum. You know maybe that'll happen. Or there is the outside chance someone rich will buy it and it'll go to a museum, but I don't see it happening. You know. Yeah, I, I I don't see it happening. End up in the in the strong museum, maybe, you know, that would be cool. Or you know, the, or or the one in Frisco, Texas, that our pal Joe Santuli runs, National Video Game Museum. We'll see. All right, what's Ben Heck been up to? I feel like I should check in with him. All right, you want to skip the cyclist thing? Yeah, we'll skip the cyclist yeah, thing. We'll just because we're uh, we went long. Long. All right, Ian, Pat, how do you access the Patreon.com slash C podcast? <laughs> And what do you get there? Stuff. Get you, stuff? You get writings. You get the full... Ian has been proactive on writing. The so full video podcast. I'm so proud of my little Ian. I'm He's not been... your little fucking anything. Wow, okay. Um, so... I cut deep. Yeah. Uh, Some bully called you little Ian when you were 10? We, uh... Basically, it's an avenue for money in exchange for other services and goods. <laughs> services rendered? Yeah. So we have a Patreon poll. This is the closest three-way race we have. We got to go to runoff in the future. In third place, favorite board games, twenty-nine percent. In second place, what pinball slash arcade games would be in your dream arcade? Only thirty-two percent. That that gets close all the time. Never wins. In first place, I hope we haven't done this topic before. In what would your NES skills competition consist of? I feel like Contra has to be on there. Um... We're talking like uh, if we're going to talk like an NWC type thing. I feel like um, uh, at least the uh, first level of Contra, basically you can't pass it until you beat it without losing a life. Oh, really? Starts you back at the beginning every time. Um, That's interesting. um, I don't know where I would actively put that, but I would probably put it somewhere in there. Um, are you thinking? Are you thinking an NWC cart, or are you thinking just like do different stages of events? I think of different stages of events. Okay, well then hit me with what you're thinking. Okay, well when, I, when you think about NES game playing, I think you have to go over. See the see the problem with the NWC cart is that it's heavily favored on being good at Tetris. It almost doesn't matter how it doesn't matter how good you are. Right. So Mario Brothers or Ride Racer it doesn't. You just got to be decent at it. Get to Tetris. Yeah, there's that. There's the cheap way to get through Mario. Yeah, you die, you get the coins again. You die, you get the coins. You're good. And then Ridge Racer or Ra- uh, Ridge Rad Racer is Rad Racer. <laughs> Namco on the mind, Ian. Yeah, um, always. But Rad Racer, you just got to be decent at it, and you won't crash, right? And then you then you get to Tetris. See, for me, I want the array of NES game playing skills. Okay. I, yes, you can have a puzzle game like Dr. Mario. That makes sense. But you got to be good at a platformer like Super Mario Brothers. So throw in a Super Mario Brothers uh, run or Super Mario's 3, you got to get through that. Uh, sure, sure, a run and gun shooter, you got to be in there. You got to be good with that zapper, Ian. So there's going to be a shooting contest with You're Duck gonna Hunt. You got to put a shooting contest in there. You got you to have a Duck Hunt stage. Bold. You got it. Bold? Bold? That's a 
quintessential NES game playing characteristic. You gotta be good with that zapper. You gotta be handy with the zapper. Sure. I won't. I don't say you gotta be good at, pa- at the power pad. That kind of died off. You gotta know how to use a zapper. You gotta be handy with a zapper. Fair enough. Uh, I think you gotta be good at a sports game. Sports games very important. I'm not sure what sports games I, I'd pick. Maybe you do an ice hockey. Ian's an expert. He can, he can speak to that about ice hockey. Oh yeah, no. Uh, um, Beat you every year. Um, I, I, I'd probably be more in tune to a Nintendo-style game. If that if that uh, black box basketball game existed, it'd be that, which we're going to make. Uh, but Ice Hockey would be a good one, I think, uh, for a sports game. Tecmo Bowl, it, something like that, is too stop and go. I think it's got to be something yeah, I smooth. Yeah, I think Ice Hockey because it's continuous. Okay, so a platformer or, or, or um, like a Super Mario Bros. you got to throw in there. You say a Contra would be good. I say maybe a Ninja Garden you throw in there. Um, you can't really do anything RPG-esque just because it's a skills competition. How do you do an RPG? You know, the, yeah. the first to kill five slimes. I mean, how do, you, how do you even do that? I'd say a shooter for sure. You've got to have a shooter. I was trying to decide what shooter, though. Gradius is too difficult, I think. But then again, maybe that makes it worthy to put in there. Gradius sucks. Wow. Um, Hot take. Hot yeah, take. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a Gradius. I would man. do a vertical, sh- a vertical shooter. Uh, Star Soldier. Do a Star Soldier? A Star Soldier. I think Star Soldier would be a good one. I mean, the Hudson shooters were always used for competitions you do a gun in neck? Japan. You want to do the best one? You no. Gunneck's gun too easy. Five stars cord to eat in a certain NES guidebook after the rewrite? Gunneck gun is great, but it's a little too easy. I think something a little bit harder. Okay, what well, we're leaving out a genre right here? Hmm. A, a, bad, a bad unlicensed game you got to get through, like Secret Scouts. First level of Wally Bear in the No Game. First level, that's Ian's bonus stage. Yeah. That'll be in the loser's bracket. We'll do that. <laughs> All right. So we got a, a, a Super Mario Brothers game. We'll say either Dr. Mario or, or Tetris. A sports game like Ice Hockey. We'll do Dr. Mario to change it up. Duck Hunt. Duck is Hunt. four. And we'll do a fifth game. Ducks or Clay? Oh, you got to do Ducks. Okay. Now, do you let the, comp- the person going against control the duck or not? That's the thing. No, you just do. No. We'll do two duck stage. We'll do mode B. Or whatever it is, two ducks. All right, so that's four, and, a, and a, we'll do a fifth game. Uh, we'll do a shooter for the fifth game. So we got a star soldier. Okay, so we got a shooter. We got duck hunt. We got a sports game, most likely, most likely ice hockey. We got a platformer like Super Mario Brothers, and then we have an action platformer like either like a Mega Man or a Contra. Yeah, that's that's a solid five. That gets it. That gets your array of NES game playing across about what you did on the console. I'm trying to think of a genre that was popular that we haven't included that you'd throw in there. I think we got it all. You can't do an adventure game like if you want to do a Legend of Zelda. You could do a boss, but that's about it. A Legend of Zelda boss fight or the we used, we used to do the we used to do the marathon the first how quickly you beat the first uh, labyrinth in Legend of Zelda. Yeah, but that's still too long for a skills competition. That's too long? That's like 6 7 minutes. It's not too bad. No. I think that'll screw up pacing just a little bit. Okay. You know, screwing up pacing with this podcast is our Atari VCS topic. That that, that was a, that was paced. Oh, it was good though. Sure. That was good. That was that was, that's, that's a nuts and bolts of the CU podcast. Was that topic? Yes. Anyway, all right. Well, thanks for the Patreon uh, question. Patreon dot com slash CU podcast Q and A time on the CU podcast. Right, let's just do one here. You just want to do one? Yeah, we'll just do one. All right. Ian asks. Uh, this is from the unnecessary fan. Um, that horrible nostalgia critic review of Pink Floyd's "The Wall" that completely misses the point. Do nostalgia critic style reviews still hold up today, or do you think that style is past its prime? I don't know anything of him, nor do I like "The Wall" that much, so I'm leaving this one to you. Okay, this is more of a uh, talk about style of videos on YouTube. Um, so it's already a meme almost. 
nostalgia critic Doug Walker from Channel Awesome put out a heavily produced parody satire, you want to call it review of The Wall. The Wall is, um, of course, a Pink, one of Pink Floyd's uh, films. I haven't seen it, but it's also a whole album. And it's like heavily out there in terms of, uh, you know, uh, different. It's definitely different skits and segments put together for each song. And there's there's uh, trippy sections, animated sections, et cetera, et cetera. So Nostalgia Critic did a 40 minute review that goes it sort of follow, supposed to follow the film and does its own music videos. It's 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 heavily produced. There's an there's animated sections, there's acted sections while also reviewing the movie, and it's. I can't imagine the amount of time and money that went into this. I just can't ima- imagine. You put the man hours in with the, with the money and everything else, we're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. It has 600,000 views. It will not make back its its money in terms of uh, money put into it and the time. It just can't. Um, maybe there was a, a love of the wall that, that made this production go into effect, but this was heavily, heavily downvoted, and people hate this this review. I mean, with a passion. Yeah, so I can tell. Um, I mean, every top c- comment is just talking about how bad the review is, how they don't understand the wall and their c- criticism of it, and things they're talking about. Um, this review is the most amount of effort put into the least amount of effort I've ever seen. So ambitiously lazy. So saying that the production is great, but the review itself is lazy in terms of understanding what the wall is. I don't know anything about the wall or Pink Floyd. I can't even comment on it. I just want to talk about, uh, you know, the style of production of of doing something, you know, doing a review of something that's heavily produced. And when you talk about that style, it goes back to, of course, AVGN videos, uh, things like that, where you're reviewing something where you also do skits and do a narrative alongside it. And the question comes down to, you know, is that played out or was it going to hold up? I mean, people still like that style of review. Uh, James still does uh, AVGN uh, reviews you know, with, with pr- production assistance every month. There's still an AVGN video. People still like it. By and large, has it died out? I think it has, uh, by and large. I don't think there's a... Most of the original channel also people don't do that style of video anymore, I think, uh, or at least are doing it for a living. There are exceptions, of course. Uh, you know, Lin Carr is still going strong with his comic reviews. I think uh, Brad's still going strong with the cinema snob stuff. For the most part, it's died out. Um, and I, I think we're at a different stage of, of YouTube where um, people are, are heavily into you know edutainment. They like stuff like Norm style of videos where it's entertainment, but it's also like documentary style. I think that's what YouTube has leaned more towards in in the past years versus, you know, let's just have a wacky person in a costume, you know, uh, talk about something and do skits and stuff, you know. That's I think that happened in general, but there's still an audience for this. But I just think the heavily heavily produced stuff. I I don't think it's I don't think it's here anymore. But you know, people still like some of it. I don't know. Ghost Rider Two review did a hundred did excuse me did a million uh, views on Channel Awesome. So there's still an audience for it. Maybe it's still to some people. I don't know. What do you think, Ian? I just think also that. I think it's yeah it's it's largely stale. I don't think that these characters necessarily change that much over time. Um Oh and- no, this is, this isn't for a dramatization. <laughs> these characters they're like yeah. they're send-ups and it's just for skits. It's it's vaudeville. It's internet vaudeville is what it is. Um but also going after I mean his popularity has been on the decline and going after something like The Wall, which a lot of people hold uh fairly fairly near and dear. 
Um, I think it's just kind of everyone's reaching that culmination point where uh, they're just over it. They don't like this style of shit anymore, and this just happened to be a good flashpoint for it. So it's it's terms of they don't like the style, but now the style is attacking something that the reviewer may not understand potentially, and so it's just like this. You said a flashpoint. I'm just it's a perfect storm. Yeah, exactly. Where I'm, I'm sick of this sort of style. And then what are you doing to this heralded property that you are shitting on, but then you're also at the same time trying to, you're also doing your own version of to to potentially make money on. It's just sort of a weird moment. You're doing a satire of something, not understanding it. There's a whole album. Like, yeah, he's, there's a whole song. Oh, there's an album released. Yeah. Nostalgia Critics, The Wall is actually an album too. On on Spotify. Spotify. Yeah. Holy shit. It's like 15 songs. Oh, <laughs> Comfortably Numb is called Comfortably Dumb. Hmm. What the fuck? <laughs> we need more victimization. Oh, wow. Is there anybody who cares? So they're taking shots at the, the wall via the songs, obviously. Yeah. Bring the runtime down. This is a 40-minute review, and they got the balls to say bring the runtime down. I mean, they got to be self-aware of some of this, right? I don't know. They're doing a 40-minute internet review. Wow, okay. All right. I mean, I don't have a huge amount to add to this. Uh, I, I glanced through some of the video, but I was just... I don't know enough about the wall. But maybe if I, if I knew the wall, I'd get more out of it, positive or negative, I'd get more out of it? I don't know. Are we past the point of having internet reviewer team-up fights? We're past that? We're not going to do that? Is that is that gone? I don't know what that even means. They... they they had they had the channel awesome anniversary movies where they had all the people they fly them all out and oh, I I've I, I'm not just saying said I've paid zero attention to channel awesome you could show me five oh, people we, from channel oh, awesome oh we spoke about I, it before I, right I know that's all I know about them <laughs> he's retracting into his uh, I'm ignorant of the of the YouTuber uh, army which is fine that's perfectly fine I do not know who these people are I would not want to watch forty minutes of this fucking herb fucking... okay well just to let you know the last. I'm trying. To, I'm not trying to take too many digs, but the last anniversary video was when Nostalgia Critic killed himself off, which lasted all of six months before he came back to it. The, the, it was called To Boldly Flee, and the movie was three and a half hours long. That's right. I did hear about that. That's absurd. Okay. With, well, that's good. That's good. I'm glad people have time for that. <laughs> Just letting you know. I'm glad. Okay. All right. All right. Well, Ian, uh, I guess uh, is, that, is that it for the scene? I'm going to boldly <laughs> flee back to my, my apartment. We're going to boldly flee and have a Flex Pro meal? And have a fucking meal. Yeah, I'm okay. hungry. Uh, we're going to be at Portland Retro Gaming Expo. Yes, we will In a be. week and a half. I am not prepared for this. I'm also not prepared for my parents visiting in like five hours. Woo! Um, and that's going to be October 19th and 20th. Go to RetroGamingExpo.com. I also will be at Retro Game Con in Syracuse, New York. November 2nd and 3rd. A certain Superintendent Guidebook is available uh, soon. I mean, you can pre-order, but it's a few more weeks since I'm being in the warehouse. Go to ultimatesnes.com. Ian loves it. He's fl- flipped through it, I think. I have. Maybe he doesn't love it. Anyway, all right. For Ian Ferguson. For Pat Damien. Goodbye. Pat what? For Pat, I'm Ian. Goodbye. Damien? I'm Ian. You for, said Damien. For Pat, I'm Ian. You Goodbye. Pat Damien. Pat Damien. Fine. Is my porno name? What is that? Ha, 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 ha.